Welcome back to Beards and Brews. Hey, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell. Not only does it help us out, but you'll know exactly when we got another one brewing. This week's movie is going to be Wayne's World. Now, fellas. Excellent. <laughs> question mark? Yeah. This is uh, honestly a welcome change from, from Segaluary, where we've been uh, for the past month. At least yeah. for me. No, no, we're all in agreement because, like... <laughs> Like, I'm just trying to watch other stuff. I'm just like, man, this needs to be shittier. (laughs) Yeah, and I mentioned this just a minute ago, but this might have been the first time that I've seen this movie. Like, I remember it. I remember the jokes, and it might just be because I've heard the jokes, you know, my entire life. I didn't remember a damn thing about this plot, so I don't know if I'd just seen it at some point before and just forgotten everything about it. Yeah. Or maybe well, this is legitimately the first time I've seen it. It's actually kind of a phenomenon. Like Brady, we spoke about it a little bit beforehand. Like, when's the last time we saw a movie that the contents of the movie supersedes the actual film itself? Like, it just it's just in the cultural zeitgeist. Yes, this entire movie is pop culture and a generation. You will meet people umpteen years later after seeing this movie who are still yelling at the top of their lungs to Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen. Well, hell, I think at this point we could totally bring back Schwing. Classic. I'm down for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I'm bringing something back from this movie, it's my boy Chris Farley. Oh, uh, fuck. Man, that hit me hard. Like, like mm. He's in this movie very briefly as a security guard. He's actually very pivotal to the direction of the movie, too. But, like, man, seeing him all young and just doesn't matter what he's in. He just brings, like, fucking energy. And they even kind of allude to it. It's like hey, this is, you know, we just happen to be right place at the right time to receive this very specific information that we might need a little bit later. Thank you, sir. Yes, that was uh, Exposition Dump Roadie. That's right. what his his uh, credits are in the movie. Well, since the plot's so thin, if you don't already know, you got Wayne and Garth. They just have like a public television show where they just goof off and have fun. And that's why people love it. Which is It fantastic. is basically, and I didn't realize this at the time, this is basically iCarly for Gen Xers, right? Holy shit. That's really nice. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a fucking, like, you just blew my mind. Yeah, whenever it came on and I actually saw the show, like the first scene, I was like, this is just, this is just iCarly, guys. Excellent. (laughs) Except for these local celebs, they party. They party hard. You don't think iCarly parties hard? They have random dancing. Well, I mean, like, I don't know. There's something just, like, harrowing about, like, picking up your friend who's clearly partied a little too hard. But, you know, you got to take care of Like, come on, let's go. There are moments that I've always used. So the partied out guy, they're like, hey, I don't want him to throw up in the car. And fucking Garth takes out one of those little tomato ketchup (laughs) paper containers you would get from, like, McDonald's or something. He's like, you're going to spew, spew into this. Like, it's... What? But at least it's unfolded, unraveled, so that you have, like, I don't know, what is that, a quarter cup of space? Oh, great. It's like, don't worry, there's extra room in the creases. Oh. <laughs> it's like serving size O-vomit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about him, because he's so extreme. Like, he tries to be helpful, but, like, in either a ridiculous way or a way that's, like, not going to help anybody. But, like, he's trying. He's trying. Yeah, what made them so popular on... SNL, which is where they started before they made this movie, is they have unbelievable chemistry together. And not only would Mike Myers and Dana Carvey have this wonderful chemistry, but they made characters 
to exude nothing but that chemistry. Absolutely, and that's like I hope like our audience gets like, man, we run through so many fucking ideas all the time. We're always like just riffing back and forth about like movie ideas and stuff. You can absolutely tell this duo made this entire movie just them just like banging it out just like across the table just like what if this happened oh that's hilarious let me just be this character oh that's amazing 100 percent uh i play dungeons and dragons on a regular basis and this is what me and my buddies do we sit at the table and we're presented with some kind of crazy scheme or problem and how to get there and then we don't take the direct path we do this zigzag of just nonsense back and forth and back and forth to see what's the craziest way we can get it done I feel like doing that, you know, the way you and I, uh, us three do, being able to put that into a movie, make a movie out of that, that's the dream, isn't it? Props to these guys. Yeah, and this is also one of those things where it's like lightning in a bottle. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we can goof and make a movie. Pretty much anybody can do it. But, like, this is just expertly crafted comedy. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to laugh at everything in the movie because it's entirely too clever for its own good and it's just something that's stuck around for at this point 30 years straight man we're getting old hashtag old gang i feel like everything in this movie lands and what is the thing it's almost like a wrestling match there's the intentional heat they drop a stinker to make you go what and then they'll come out with something even better kind of like when you're listening to the radio it can't all be good stuff because then you lose the sensation but if you listen to a (laughs) shitty song and then a really good song comes on, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, it's even better. Is that why Shinedown yeah. still gets so much play? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're just always relegated to the opening act, just so the next one sounds way better. That's a good plan, though. It's a good plan. Way to keep a career. Anyway, so this isn't just Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Those are definitely the two key players, but there's actually a few, few big names in this. Rob Lowe is in this, and he plays like a big role. Is this like pre or post sex tape, Rob Lowe? I don't know. I honestly don't know anything about Rob Lowe's sex tape, and I'd like to keep it that way. I'll say I didn't remember Rob Lowe being so uncomfortably creepy Mm -hmm. in my previous watches of this movie. You're right. He definitely sends off a vibe of like Jared Leto. Oh, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Like I I was waiting to say it. I was waiting to say fucking Jared Leto. Yeah, but it's like Jared Leto if he wasn't creepy IRL. Like, he was legitimately acting, you know? <laughs> oh, he's going to Morbius you. <laughs> We're going to get like... a cease and desist. That's going to be the moment. Just mentioning his name is what gets us the cease and desist. Boys, wow. we made it. Oh, because yeah. we're fucking with Marvel now. Yeah, any is publicity that... is good publicity. Is he in Marvel? No, that's DC. He's the... Ah, Mobius, yeah. Morbius, Morbius is... is Marvel. I don't. I don't know anything about that. Is that a character? I literally know nothing I, about Morbius. I don't know either. They're, just, they're reaching for just whatever at this point. Like the big cash cows come and gone. I don't yeah. know. I mean, he's like a third anyway. string villain from Spider Man. Oh man. Oh okay. Yeah yeah. Like polka dot man. Uh, well, at least the Suicide Squad movies were bombs, but that Peacemaker show, it's pretty fucking good. Birds of Prey was uh, honestly pretty solid. I, I didn't even give it the time of day because like the first Suicide Squad was just such a just last nail in the coffin for DC movies with me. I'm just like, ah, enough. I, I didn't see the first one, but Coleman was like, I'm not going to say gung ho, but he was like, this is actually really good. So we watched it and I was like, yeah, that was entertaining. You think we can make like a review aggregate website solely on Coleman's opinion and have it named something like guy who knows the guy from true lies dot com yes. or something? 
that sounds like a fabulous idea. Let's get on that. I'll uh, I'll get the domain name. <laughs> Sponsors GoDaddy or something. Oh man, that's the one. GoDaddy.com. All right, so yeah, <laughs> these guys are basically like local celebrities where they run their little TV show down in the basement where people bring on wacky products like yeah. the sucking vacuum cleaner haircut thing. Ah, the, the suck it. Yeah, the suck it. Which suck is it. basically like a very rudimentary Floby. Do you guys remember the Floby? Yes. Yeah, I feel like they just yoinked up that idea straight from Wayne's World. Maybe. But, like, Floby just sounds like a weird sexual act, possibly involving a toilet. What? Um, anyway, yeah, so Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe's character is basically, like, I don't know what he is, like, some kind of uh, producing executive or something like that. He's basically just like, hey, these guys are, like, idiots, but they're kind of geniuses. They've got this show, and it attracts, like, the lowest common denominator of people. Let's yeah. sell that shit. And the movie is very upfront of his intentions and stuff to yeah. the point that we're like later on, we're in his apartment and we get to see like what's in his daily planner. Yeah. It's flat out like evil genius <laughs> Thursday. Buy up local TV show and exploit them. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I sure feel sorry for those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Garth, man. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I really like about this movie. Like, we could have jumped into Wayne's World, like as they were doing the show. It's like, oh yeah, they, those are the guys, like on the SNL TV uh, television tubes. Mm-hmm. But like, no, that we see Rob Lowe, and he's just like, all right, I'm just gonna fucking buy these guys out and make a shit ton of money, dump them, and whatever. I'm just gonna bang a hot broad later on. Ten out of ten. That's my weekend plan. I mean, honestly, sounds like a pretty good plan, right? Yeah. Right. All right. It's not just me. Well, hell, it almost worked. I mean, who who says that it didn't work? The Scooby-Doo ending? Yeah, we've got, we've, <laughs> we've got multiple endings to work with, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, but before that, we get to, you know, meet a few people in this wonderful town of Aurora, Illinois. Uh, we get to meet Al Bundy is here. Okay. Dude, dude. Yes. Like, we're going to say the same thing, aren't we? Because I, I love this man. <laughs> like, he's in the movie for all of probably four minutes. Mm-hmm. Everything he has to say had me on the edge of the seat. Everything he says is golden. This movie is about two plucky losers going on the adventure of a lifetime. Cutaways to fucking Al Bundy working his second job at the local diner and just discussing heavily how to kill and dispose of a human being. (laughs) Definitely like the portrait of a serial killer. Yeah, just like random, why is it if a man kills another man in battle, it's called heroic? (laughs) Yet if he kills a man in a heat of passion, it's called murder. Just fucking stone cold, straight face, out of nowhere with that. Yeah. What do you think you're doing? Only me and Garth get to talk to the camera. Get away from that psycho. He's just in the background (laughs) looming. They're just okay with it, though. You know, if you stab a man in the dead of winter, steam will rise up from the wounds. Indians believed it was his soul escaping from his body. And I I didn't remember a single part of Ed O'Neill's being in this movie. That was a true surprise, and I loved it. It's a treat, too, from the very first time the camera's on him, because, like, you know, we're following Wayne and Garth, like we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And, like, he's already looking dead into the camera as they open the door. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's plotting his intercept course. He, he locks eyes, starts walking, cuts right in, steals the camera. Murder, 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 murder. It's like he locks eyes specifically with the cameraman, and he knows that if he turns away, 
Al Bundy is going to fucking kill you. Oh, so that's why he followed him. Okay. That's what like, it is. Searing for his life. And suddenly Mike Myers like, hey, bro, it's on my movie. But we get a few so, other characters here in this little scene. We got the cop. I don't know that he ever has a name, but he's, I guess, cop. you know, a fan, a buddy of a buddy of Wayne and Garth, uh, even though they're, you know, chalking like pork product bacon jokes at him. You know, just <laughs> like, it, it's all in good fun. Yeah. Like, oh, it smells like bacon. He's like, ha ha, cop. Yeah, yeah. And Garth goes like, ha ha. It also smells like some kind of pork related product around here. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> but it's chitlins. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> None of those. This is too far north. Sorry, guys. Uh, but we've also got Stacy Wayne's ex, who is oh yes, a stage five clinger. Absolutely. And the whole gun rack thing is genius, dude. I have had this line memorized again <laughs> for years, and I've said it about shitty gifts I've gotten to the people, and you know they get the <laughs> reference. You know what I mean? They laugh like, and then they immediately feel bad about getting you a shitty gift. I don't know. Yes. I think it softens the blow because it's just like, oh, yeah, I get it. Okay. You know, now it's just all buddy, buddy. Ah, that's okay. That's funny. Yeah. It's an easy letdown that you got me a griddle for Christmas. He <laughs> <laughs> just put it in the pile of other griddles. Other griddles. Yeah. You've got a <laughs> stack of griddles there. It was $20 on Black Friday at JCPenney's. Oh, fuck those things. After Halloween, ain't. Oh, I, got, I got an air fryer for $35. Oh, uh, after this, they sort of scoot over. This is really just to meet another group of crew. Uh, they -hmm. scoot over to the metal bar, the club where Meatloaf is out taking tickets. R.I.P. Meatloaf. Yeah, that caught me off guard. I was like, wait a minute. He's not even like credited in the anywhere. He's just, he's just there like, hey, hey, you're cool. Come in. (laughs) Well, he's actually in the credits. Uh, you have to look up his name was Robert Polson in there. Oh, Oh, okay. I just know him as, uh, Mr. Loaf. Now, yeah, in uh, Project Mayhem, a meatloaf <laughs> does have a name. This club, it looks like the club from Hellraiser 3. I swear to God. I went, man, <laughs> is that the same fucking place? This club looks pretty awesome, though. Why can't we have clubs like that around here? There probably are clubs around here. Yeah. Just a flaming sign, literally on fire. Yeah, I had the running theory that that's not even there to get people's attention. It's actually just on fire. From the yeah. sick riffs coming from inside, from Cassandra. Oh. No, that's coming from the shitty Beatles. Oh. <laughs> well, shit, if it's Hellraiser 3, it's definitely Motorhead. <laughs> the Ace of Spades. Yeah, but we do have here in a little bit Cassandra, who ends up being a crucial part of this movie. Her band, I don't know that this band has a name, but she is the bassist and lead singer, and they mm-hmm. are pretty good. Well, it doesn't matter like how good they are, really. She's a total babe. That's a fact, she, yeah, 100%. She's wearing basically white lingerie and singing <laughs> i wouldn't even really call it metal but these dudes are headbanging like crazy and when she comes off stage this dude's like oh i accidentally spilled my drink on you she beats the fuck out of that man absolute combo play like i don't know if like that's the joke but it never comes up again like <laughs> she, she literally slaughtered this dude and it's just like yeah whatever next he's like oh that's super cool she will be mine oh yes <laughs> He will be mine. Which is the same thing he said to the uh, guitar like four minutes earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah. They stop at that little guitar shop and he sort of starts drooling over that. What is it? A 64 Strat? That is a Stratocaster. It's basically like Jimi Hendrix guitar. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you think of Jimi Hendrix, it's the all white Strat. But this is a guy with his priority straights because guess what? Spoilers, fellas. He gets what he wants in the end. Or does he? Bum, bum, or does he? Kill you. Kill you. Kill you. Uh, one for you meddling kids. 
<laughs> yeah, but so, all right, Wayne kind of, you know, falls in love at first sight. He's like, all right, I got to get this girl. Can I get your number? And she's basically just like, hey, come to my concert Friday or whatever. Here's a flyer. I don't know. We'll talk then or something. Yeah, and he does like, I can't say he does everything, but he does a really cool thing about like learning Cantonese and stuff for the next time he sees her. So mm-hmm. like they're going to get the Mirthmobile fixed or whatever. And he's like out loud in the middle of public practicing his Cantonese. And Garth's just like, oh. You're scaring me, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, a really, really good little bit where Rob Lowe is basically pitching Wayne's World to the owner of Noah's Arcade, this billionaire. Oh, yeah, that's Bill Murray's brother. He looks like a Bill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, like from an alternate universe where mm-hmm. Bill Murray wasn't as charismatic or semi-handsome. Yeah, not the Bill Murray, but definitely he looks like a Bill Murray. Dill Burry. <laughs> Burry. For sure. But yeah, like you were saying, like Roblo comes in and it's just wonderful to see like a pitchman totally just flip the script on the guy and get him interested in it. Like even though it's, he's total dipshit and like he turns out to be an evil bastard, but like I just love the whole like, yeah, I'm not interested. And you're like, well, yes, you are. And he's like, you know what I am? <laughs> It'll make you money. Oh, I like money. Quarters are tight. <laughs> yeah, I guess the argument is like, yeah, this show looks like shit. Yeah, but kids love it. Kids don't know dick. Yeah, well, those kids that don't know dick are who keep uh, giving you all them quarters. Well, I guess you're right. All right. And they high five and go about their day. <laughs> He's like, here's 10K. Go get them. And 10K at that time was like, I don't know, 12K today. I don't know, 14K. I don't know, I don't know the translation rate. Either way, it's not enough. They get 5K each, and that doesn't seem like nearly enough to me. Especially not for Garth's drink. He get that he ordered that giant fucking novelty drink. It's like half yeah, the yeah. size of the table. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Before this, even they're they're trying to be high class anyway. They're rolling up to uh, to a car in the only way that you can in 1992. Pardon me, sir. Do you have any gray poupon? And there is a very very narrow slice of time in which you can say that, and anyone will know what you're talking about. That's a mustard commercial, guys. Okay, I'll argue that. That it came all the way around because, like, even though I don't understand where it came from, I do understand it was a joke, <laughs> like a little small prank you would play on people. So, like, the context be damned. It's just funny because it's not funny. The the commercial was exactly that. Like, I remember it. It was basically like you've got one Rolls Royce pulling up beside a, a limo or something. I don't know, two fancy cars. And the guy rolls down his window, you know, an old smug like Mr. Moneybags, Mr. Monopoly kind of guy. Pardon me, do you have any gray poupon? And he'd reach it through the window. You know, like, that's all there is. And then meanwhile, the audience is like, he called the shit poupon. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But this is all like a really great way to show like, these fellas are just fellas. They're just goofing, mm-hmm. having fun, like just living life. You know, they do mention like a little bit. It's not really important. Like, you know, they're almost like turning 30 soon in the context of the movie. But so they're just like living it up, talking about like what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. Are they going to stay in Aurora or whatever? And then like Rob Lowe just like drops those 5K checks in their laps and just like, swing. Absolutely. Yeah, there's even like a little aside that Garth has with the cameras. Like, I don't this seems kind of like not on the up and up, right? I don't know. I don't I don't know about this. Seems weird. 5K, all right. What's great about it is like he bumped up a really good point. Like, this is sketchy. But it's actually kind of like that Twilight Zone episode where that thing happened. And now I'm focused on the Twilight Zone episode. Man, it was fucking sweet. Am I right? I, okay, time to go back to the table. 
Yeah, next thing up, uh, they're actually at the concert, uh, Cassandra's concert. By the way, if we haven't mentioned it, Cassandra, played by Tia Career, who is just gorgeous, isn't she? Yeah, 100%, dude. Like, And another reason that I think that this is the first time that I'd seen this movie is the whole time I was expecting her character to be a bad guy. Maybe it's just because I saw her in True Lies. I don't know. I don't know. Also, like, in the moment where Wayne's just like, Oh, yeah, she will be mine. You're just like handful of popcorn. She's a bitch. <laughs> exactly. She's going to get you, Wayne. Look out. Don't marry <laughs> yeah. that axe murderer. She's going to give you that four-hit combo. Oh, with the bass. Now she's Scott Pilgrim. Oh. <laughs> I feel like there was a genuine laugh also caught on film in this movie. Uh, when they're reflecting on life and staring up at the stars and just having a conversation, Garth looks at Wayne and goes, do you remember in the cartoons when Bugs Bunny would dress up like a girl? And he yeah. Goes, yeah. Do you ever find that attractive? And I really think Mike Myers loses his shit there. No. A hundred percent. And what's really weird, I actually went to high school with a guy who was basically a furry before they were furries. And like that joke just like an extra little bit for me. So I'm just like, man. I know a Garth. <laughs> he drives a gremlin, eats Twizzlers, and dresses up as a fox man on weekends to have weird sex in a dark room. Ooh, they call him Red Vines. I don't want to ask why. Oh, this is a <laughs> Red Vines fit. Or, no, never mind. The next thing I have is when they, they all show up at the studio and uh, for what, like a rehearsal. dress rehearsal? You're talking about the um, the director, the fellas like in, you know, he plays like a dirtbag in all kinds of 80s movies. Yes. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's the guy that he's like, oh, do you want to keep being Rob Lowe's lackey your whole life? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's like the money's <laughs> good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of shut up and, you know, get paid. Mm-hmm. But what's great about it is that he is as kind of a secondary character, but so is all the other production team for Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. So they like develop this bond slowly through the movie and it starts in this scene. And he's like, very polite, like, fellas, okay, we do a countdown, five to one, and you don't say two or one, because that's when the cameras start rolling. They're just like, okay, this is important. So they're just like all into it, just like doing exactly what he did. Five, four, three, you see Garth counting down, two, one, mouthing. No, you can't do that. We got to do it again. Come on, hold on. Man, Mike was putting on his best blue steel to not like go miming along with it. Yes. (laughs) The over-exaggeration sells the scene for sure. And they do a blue screen bit. And honestly, I relate so hard to the bit where he's like, oh, Delaware, I guess. Like, we're here. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those things that's, like, burning in the back of my head. Like, what the fuck is in Delaware? Like, he roasted a whole state in one sentence, and they've never been able to shake it off. (laughs) Delaware has never recovered from that. (laughs) Yeah. But at this moment, this is Wayne's apartment or Wayne's basement or whatever it is. But it's it's not. It's in a studio. They've just built it, right? That's where we're at. Yeah. yeah. And they, they mentioned something like, it's kind of weird. Like, that's not Wayne's basement, but that's Wayne's basement. And they, mm-hmm. they're all in complete agreement. It's like, yeah, that is weird. That, that, that is weird. Said it like baby cakes. <laughs> is that Wayne's basement? <laughs> Man. Every time I do a TV show, they give me Wayne's basement. I'm sick and tired of fucking Wayne's basement. <laughs> <laughs> Just tears it apart. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, so this 
uh, rehearsal or whatever, it goes on, right? Like, I don't really remember any, like, real turning points in the, the thing in this. There was that green screen moment and a few little laughs here or there. Aspincter says, what? Playful jabs at the sponsor, mm-hmm. things like that. Nothing really get fired for. Wink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get that, like, little interplay with Rob Lowe just walking around. Just like, okay, everything's smooth, but uh, any moment my evil plan is going to take effect. Yes. But so far, it's totally legal and totally cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, speaking of that, like, this is when he starts to kind of, like, split the crew. He's like, yeah, you know what? Come back to my apartment. You know, you take, you bring your girlfriend, too. Totally not interested in her. But, but who would be? Rib for her pleasure. Ew. Ew. Okay. This has got Saturday Night Live written all over it. Like, production values on this scene alone are just pennies on the dollar. So, oh, yeah, his, for sure. <laughs> yeah, his apartment looks so generic. And then they're standing outside on this patio and buddy, buddy, buddy. That's what I was going to say. Did you enjoy that lovely picture of the Chicago Vista behind them? Yeah, it's beyond noticeable some of my favorite goofs are actually before this when they when they just start talking about him that like you know they'd go outside to play hockey or whatever they're just like you ever get the feeling that he's not one of us yeah it's like he wants us to be liked by everyone led zeppelin didn't want to be didn't write songs to be liked by everyone if they wanted to do that they'd be the Bee Gees or something <laughs> like that i don't know i laughed because i didn't know what it meant mm-hmm. it's just like fuck the Bee Gees in particular I'm like okay <laughs> Car! Yeah. Honestly, like, right after this is the line that made me burst out laughing the most. Like, honestly, my favorite line in the whole movie. They get in the car, Wayne's in the car with uh, Cassandra, Tia Carrere's character, and they're just, you know, talking, maybe getting to know each other, flirting a little bit. And Wayne says, I thought I had mono once for an entire year. Turns out I was just really bored. I don't know (laughs) why that had me rolling so much. It's fucking great. I have an idea why it had me rolling so much, but we won't talk about that here. But, like, in context, like, you just say this to the person you just started dating. Well, like, Mm -hmm. what are they supposed to respond with? Just like, oh, by the way, nice CD player. I got it when I got the money. Cut to them spending more money. It's $5,000, and they have spent it all. But, like, it gave us, like, one iconic thing after another. So, like, yes. Wayne and the fellas, they roll up to that old music shop with the Strat inside. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, there's nobody around to help. I know. I'll just play the can you help me riff. He's like, beedly, beedly, beed. And some guy just shows up like, hey, man, sounds like you need some help. Eric, 100% when he did that, I know for a fact because of this movie that you have replicated that. Oh, absolutely. And, like, because of this movie, <laughs> you cannot fucking play stairway to heaven in any shop whatsoever <laughs> like no like, stairway denied like it's a joke you know like a running gag but like then there are places that are really aggressive with it they're like dude like buy something or get out <laughs> all right but i'm gonna, gonna, gonna take it today do you accept cash oh dude he did that joke in camera no cuts it's beautiful <laughs> Not uh, to mention Dayton Carvey's actual drum solo. Was that yeah, he's legitimately him playing? One hundo. Yeah. They could have lined him up next to Danny Carey versus Dana Carvey and <laughs> oh. battle of the drums. Oh, that's close right there. Danny Carey, Dana Carvey. So this is really cool because if you spend money, you got to make money because we all like money. So what do they do? They fucking do product placement <laughs> while saying they won't do product placement. And this scene is the most clever way 
<laughs> to do product placement because you're like, oh, I'm not doing it. That's the joke. Contractor, yeah. no, I will not give in to any sponsor. It's just how cleanly it's written. Like, it's just so, it's like a solid chunk of screenplay. Like, good God. Like, Rob Lowe, the way he sells his, like, dirt bagness, you know, when he's trying to do his business stuff, so smooth. And, like, he could just, like, you could walk into his office and leave with nothing and feel like you won. That kind of, like, business stuff. Is dirt bagness, is that a word? I dirt think baggery. Dirt baggery. Yeah, All right, sure. there we go. <laughs> but, like, you know, but, like, that's just interweaved with, like, uh, Wayne and Garf's just fucking amazing performance. Just, like... <laughs> Garth and all that Reebok shit just always has me rolling. Because, yes. like, the camera just, like, slow pans across all that product and shit he has on me. He's like, you know, man, it just doesn't feel right. <laughs> so you can take it or leave it. That's your choice. That is your choice. The choice of a new generation. Sips Pepsi. And it's the fucking <laughs> eyebrows, man, when he does that smile. It's the old Nicholson. Yeah, that, so that whole scene is classic. Now, meanwhile, after they get done shilling for the uh, sponsors... There's a scene where he goes back to the donut shop and he's going to impress his lovely young lady. And he does Foxy by Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> I've seen this scene a bajillion times. So I was like, I don't want to sit through this again. Not because it's not a good scene. I've just seen it that many times that I don't want to sit through it again. Yeah. And I watched it on like three times speed. And it was honestly horrifying. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just air humping the whole time. Yeah, so you just now you're just watching his fucking shirt dong flap up at an insane speed. And this is yeah. the same move that he does in Austin Powers. Just a few years later, he brings it back. Well, well it's Mike Myers, though. Yeah. Oh, is this Dana Carvey? Yeah. We're talking yeah. About? I guess cut he that. did bring a little bullshit into Master of Disguise, but that's a fucking dumpster fire. Yeah, yeah cut Girl. that out then. Never mind. I, I just have air hump scene written down with Foxy Lady. Yeah. Well, we get. Foxy Lady, which again at high speed was absolutely horrifying, and then you get <laughs> the camera one, camera two, very cute phone interruption thing, and 100%. I have stolen a lot of this shit to mess with my wife while she's doing things. Yeah, just for fun. <laughs> no, fuck, dude. The camera one, camera two thing is just a staple in my mm -hmm. fucking vernacular or whatever. Even when I have my optometrist visit, you know, they're just like, well, you got this one and this one, and this eye. I was like, well, which one is it, camera one or camera two? And they're just like, oh, <laughs> I understand I haven't that, heard that one before. Yeah. It's a fun little scene. Him and Cassandra are in bed, you know, just doing cute little goofy stuff. And then it comes up on the screen, gratuitous sex scene. And all right, we've we've had enough of that. Let's move on. <laughs> this is when they actually get to Rob Lowe's apartment and all that stuff goes down. When mm -hmm. Rob Lowe looks straight up like, like Jared Leto. That's the start of his Jared Leto persona. I feel like if he sat down and started to listen to some Huey Lewis, the scene might be a little Ooh. bit, you know, <laughs> in the wrong direction. Oh, Wayne. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's, a, yeah. he's a scoundrel in this. He really is. He sells this lazy dude so well, and he has a beautiful plan. So Cassandra is in there performing another song, and I'm not saying she sounds terrible. It just reminded me of Jim Carrey doing Jefferson Airplane in The Cable Guy. Oh, what I have is Cassandra plays cheesy pop rock song, completely different from like the other songs that she's played before in this movie. Might as well be like yeah. Wilson Phillips or something. But yeah, like you said, like Rob Lowe is just like trying to like drive the stake into everything. He's like, listen, you know, I'm, I'm going to make your music video. So like Wayne and Garth, take these all access passes to Alice Cooper. And I'll be with your girl in Chicago for three days uninterrupted. Yeah, he three days be, uninterrupted. He could be snidely whiplash 100% from like 
those wacky razors, the man with Muttley. That's just him, but cleaned up. I get that. Where's that from? <laughs> Dudley Do Right. Yeah, they made the awful uh, live action one with uh, Brandon Fraser. Mm. R.I.P. Brandon Fraser. He's not dead, <laughs> but he needs some rest. <laughs> oh. So this Alice Cooper buyout. Go see them. I'm going to make this music video with you, girl. Nothing to see here. And they do Feed in My Frankenstein. And I fucking fell in love with that song because of this fucking movie. And I went and saw yeah. Alice Cooper with my wife because of this movie. I've never cool. been a big Alice Cooper fan, but this performance is is really good. <laughs> it definitely reminds me of the time that uh, I waved at Alice Cooper and he waved right back. Oh, he is a man just <laughs> like me. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. I saw it. I was like, that's a man. <laughs> yeah, but one thing kind of does tick me off just a little bit. They go backstage before the concert's even over. I know they say to beat the crowd, but you got to stay for the encore, man. That's okay. The fucking band and everybody's chilling there anyways. <laughs> it's just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. How, do, how does that work exactly? Maybe they just have like a mid-roll band. Like they do like four songs. And, th- and now it's the shitty Beatles. And they just kind of fuck off for an hour. Oh my God, the shitty Beatles. I would be so pissed if a fucking band did that. I would go, no, I don't want to listen to this other band and wait for you to come back out. This is like bullshit festival. I don't want to do this. That's like how everybody felt in the early 90s when they went to go see Guns N' Roses. Oh, my God. Yeah, but at the point they were actually seeing Guns N' Roses. So, But it leads to like another fucking like historic scene. Like They go in the back and you know the band's all there. Alice Cooper's still decked out from his stage show. And you're like, okay. You see this guy and you think you know him, that kind of thing. And they go yes. like, oh, we're not worthy, so on and so forth. Like, okay, rock and roll show. Got it. And then we get like a fucking 10-minute lecture on the <laughs> history of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> and thank God, that is such an underrated city. Milwaukee, get at us. Sponsor us. I have no idea in what way you would sponsor us, but... The only thing I can think of from Milwaukee is Milwaukee's best. That's a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that we're not worthy, we're scum thing. That's something that like I recognized from this, but I don't know that I'd ever like known the context. That's another reason that I thought, like, maybe I really hadn't seen this movie before. Is that a possibility? Maybe the Mandela effect is just so strong, it just like wiped your memory of an entire movie. Maybe it's that like so many of these pieces, so many of these goofs are just so ingrained in everyday life anymore. Yeah. This is so ubiquitous that like there aren't that many blanks left to be filled in. Like there are so many jokes that I just felt like I'd already known it despite having never seen it. No, no I, I, I get completely it. agree. Like mm-hmm. it has been so saturated into our age groups demographic that even without yes. seeing the movie, you've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. So the next thing is like actual showtime, the actual day of like the first real Wayne's World. Is that right? Yeah, we saw him go through all those rehearsals, and you know Wayne doesn't like the changes, even though that he can't get around him, mm-hmm. and he straight up gets fired from his own show. And it goes over in an argument that sounds kind of like, "You can't fire me, I'm me." <laughs> and he's like, "No, no, I own the show. Fuck off." You know, we'll just find yeah, a new yeah. Wayne, or he doesn't even have to be a Wayne. We can just. You know, pretend that his name's Wayne. It can be his world. <laughs> then he's basically like, you know, just take you and your salty crew elsewhere. Speaking of salty crews, what I've got here today is from Coronado Brewing Company out of Coronado, California. That makes sense. 
This is Salty Crew, a boat beer. It's a blonde ale, and it is 4.5% alcohol by volume. Looks pretty blonde, just like the one that uh, Garth has been pining over the whole movie, right? I don't know if we mentioned that she was blonde, but she's blonde. This would be great to, you know, drink over the, the starboard side. Ah, it gives you those good vibes from stem to stern. Ooh, I love the sound of all this. Like, we can open our own place. Are those boat words? <laughs> I don't know. But no, I'm... this is this is like a classic blonde ale. Nothing too out of the ordinary. This is full-bodied, but very light, very delicate, very crisp. Just a hint of those hops, just to make it stand up on its own a little bit. This is a very solid beer, honestly. So you're saying it's got its sea legs. Oh, it's got its sea legs for sure. A vast you taste buds. Oh, Captain, my Captain. There we go. <laughs> Look at me. I am the boat beer now. Yeah, <laughs> Well, speaking of Captain, the Captain of this ship, Wayne's World, a little SOL, but like, I don't even know what to compare it to, but like, the movie goes out of its way to shit on him. Like, everything goes wrong. Absolutely anything that he cared about basically on fire right now. I like the things that go on, actually, during the sort of fuck-up show. Wayne is like, party on, Garth. And Garth is just like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just very confused. Like, I guess, yeah. have a party. Yeah. But uh, I like how Wayne starts, like, dr- like writing notes on the backside of the cards, pointing at, like, the, the sponsor guy, Noah, from Noah's Arcade. Mm. This guy blows goats. I have proof. It's true. There's- this man has no dick. <laughs> yes, these are the best portions of the show, and they're trying to say that by these fellows being these fellows, that's the show, not this corporate thing that they're trying to puppeteer. Right. And mm. he loses his job, he loses his best friend, they break up, and then he breaks up with Cassandra because he's like, you're fucking Rob Lowe. And she goes, nuh-uh, I'm fucking the milkman. I've been fucking the milkman. And then he fell on my knife. He fell on my knife eight times. <laughs> he had he it had coming. It coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, shit! It, that was in Chicago. Ooh. Yeah, it all comes together. That's beautiful. But yeah, you're right. Like Wayne just kind of has like a little hissy fit, starts being a little bitch for a minute, and he starts mm-hmm. taking it out on everybody. Even Garth is like, "Listen, man, you're not you right now." Starts going off on the cameraman. Even <laughs> it almost reminds me a bit from Trailer Park Boys when Ricky grabs the microphone from yes. the audience and just blows it out. What I think is more concerning is we have Wayne, of course, throwing the bitch fit. Garth, though, has gone to his dark place and is murdering jelly donut men while fucking Al Bundy is just egging him on and telling him how to go for the sweet spots. Oh, yeah. Like, he's definitely, like, on his way to becoming a serial killer with Al Bundy. When Wayne finally comes back to apologize, like, yo, I know I was a little bit of a bitch. I'm sorry. What better way to console everything is to uh, open this door and see a bunch of people training because it's a movie and we can do silly things. Yeah, I still don't really know what was going on there. I have written down open door James Bond movie or something. This movie needs to be exactly 90 minutes, fellas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And speaking of time wasting, this is to me is where the movie gets good like it's not bad up to this point but it's an actual movie the last 15 20 minutes of this goes so far off the fucking rails the t-1000 is there to pull him <laughs> yeah <laughs> like how much fucking 90s ref- actually now that i think about it this came out in 92 uh-huh. so like terminator 2 was barely a year old <laughs> you wow know? yeah wow that's some some dense uh pop culture there he showed him a picture of edward furlong and he freaked the fuck out <laughs> 
it was really good because you think he's going to chase him just for a moment and then he stops and Cassandra's there with her music video and they're doing this big snake scene and it's heavy as shit and Rob Lowe is being such a fucking creeper that even when Wayne shows up and it's just a complete ass she'd rather be with him than be with creeper Rob Lowe yeah yeah but also by that point like he's definitely seemed like the wrong in his ways and he's definitely throwing a bitch fit and he even has like a little small oscar moment and everything he throws water in his face like oh i'm such a terrible person and it says on the screen oscar moment yeah like, yes. no, yeah it's wonderful <laughs> but before this they develop some sort of a plan to get everything right and i don't really understand it it's got something to do with like the ceo of a record company or something riding around in his limousine and recoding satellites to do something anybody want to fill me in or can we just like scoot past that uh, yeah i was gonna say i don't think we can put any justification to it because it is literally a three-minute exposition dump to where they look at the camera and be like yeah Makes yeah. sense. Okay. It's what we're going with. But yeah. we can't put any weight to it because they do a good ending, a bad ending, and a fucking Scooby-Doo ending. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a uh, techno babble from Under Siege 2. Just add another thing of RAM. You got it. Blow that Pentagon up. Yes. But this is also home to my favorite scene. They're going to hijack the crew. So uh, Russell's there and they want to get all these people so they can <laughs> broadcast the show. But Garth is trying to be sneaky, and he dives onto his belly to do, like, the army crawl. And he goes, <laughs> guys, ow, I landed on my keys. Yeah. And that's the realest <laughs> shit. And the movie, like, hangs on him, too, where he has to struggle away. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> the, the thing that the movie hangs on for me is just before this, while they're still back at, like, the, the filming of that music video, when he's, you know, doing his plea... To Cassandra, he's like, Cassandra, don't you understand? This camera doesn't even have any film in it. And he opens oh. it up and just the film unravels yes. forever. And it, it, holds there, it holds there for a straight, like, 45 seconds, just unraveling ad nauseum. It's yeah. beautiful. And, like, if anybody knows anything about this, like, uh, that shit is so expensive. Like, that was so much money lost in such a short time. The cameraman's just standing there watching it unravel, just like, man... You gotta hand it to him. Like, he tries to deflect. He's like, the band's probably not even here. Hey, fellas. Hey. Hey, Wayne. going? <laughs> you know? <laughs> they just walk by. <laughs> but oh. then she's like, yeah, this guy's a creep. Wayne, you're right. I'm not trying to fuck him, but he was trying to fuck me. Let's bail. So, yeah, the idea is he's gonna get the band to play on the actual Wayne's World coming out of his actual basement and have it transmissioned to this this guy's limo. That's yeah. what happens. That's what they need. Yeah, Mr. Big. And she puts on a rousing performance of Ballroom Blitz. It's and... actually really good, honestly. Yeah. Oh, really? I thought it was just <laughs> yeah. kind of okay. Because, like, in context of the movie, like, should they play, like, an original song? You know, just kind of think... entice somebody? Yeah, yeah. But honestly, but I thought, no. it, like, I already like Ballroom Blitz. I think that song is awesome. Uh, but she, she's got a lot of energy coming at it. And honestly, like, I don't know. Is she actually performing this? Is that her vocals? Possibly. It looked not, like it. Yeah. It's, I'm going to say, uh Tia Career, uh, if you've got the answer to this, get at us, please. But Mr. <laughs> but Mr. Big has seen this in his limo, and this, the wife says this. She goes, this motherfucker looks like Paul Heyman from ECW. And <laughs> he comes rolling in. He goes, hey, you're very talented, but 
sorry. And Rob Lowe comes down the stairs and is like, that's my pussy now, Wayne. Brap. Oh my God, is that Paul Heyman? Anyway, so this is when it gets goofy. Yeah, and so it's like just like earlier, like where everything just like hits the fan. You know, he loses Cassandra. All kinds of shit happens. His house burns down, and he has like mm-hmm. a Gone with the Wind moment with Garth. And then he starts laughing maniacally. Yeah, with visions of like Rob Lowe and Cassandra at like some resort. It's a bad ending. But, Let's do a different one. Not, Let's it, do a different. Yes, one. it's it's bad, and it makes me feel bad. Next. <laughs> They do a really stupid Scooby-Doo ending. He's like, no, I'm just kidding. Let's do the mega happy ending. Kill you, kill you, kill you. And everyone lives happily ever after. It's that simple. <laughs> We're giving you a six-album deal. Platonic love can't exist between two men. Yeah. Rob Lowe's <laughs> yes. speech is great, though. He's just like, you know, you can be good-looking, have a nice body and a great car, and it only gets you so far. Almost the top. But what I learned is more important is friendship. <laughs> yes. The ending it's of this so, movie is so, so ridiculous. I almost half expected Wayne and Cassandra to, to like hold hands and have like a Superman moment where they just fly through the night oh, sky. Yes, that would have been pretty fucking solid. I would accept that or even like a surprise ending where it's like, yeah, everything's great. Credits are rolling. They're standing there like the end of SNL where the credits roll and they're like, bye, everybody. Oh, that's Except pretty good. Runs out. That's, yeah. that's super better. Yeah, because it's that. it's either that or disaster. Because like maybe they'll have like a Thelma and Louise moment. Oh, they do that in the second one, don't they? But there is a second one. There's a second one. Yeah, actually, I think it's really good too. Oh, it do- yeah, it is. It has my favorite joke of both movies. I guess they're getting married, and Cassandra's dad shows up, and they have like a one-on-one like basically yes! brawl, and it's it's super just anime. And Mike Myers flexes, and his whole shirt rips off at once. And it's the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, because it's just so fucking horrible. He's so doughy underneath, and the shirt just is clearly ripped from the rear off of his body, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's just dude. Man. Yeah, looking back on it, I'm pretty sure most of the jokes that I thought were from this was actually from Airheads, and most of the oh, jokes, ooh. most of the jokes that I actually knew from this were actually just from like Living Life. Okay, I get it. I, but after all that, like, I guess it's happy ending for everybody. Like, we did it. Well, I mean, it doesn't have anything more to communicate, but it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, record scratch. It's over. Yep. Yeah. Episode done. Fade to black. What more do you need? Okay, so, like, after a month of just, like, mind-melting Steven Seagal movies, this was so fucking refreshing. This it really is was. definitely, like, that sip of Pepsi choice of the generation moment. The comedy still lands. Holy shit, this movie's so well-written. I loved every moment of it. I loved revisiting this thing. It's so funny and just so well put together. I can't recommend it enough. I have nothing bad to say about this movie. It was like a breath of fresh air. I'm glad I got to rewatch it again with you guys. It was a lot of fun. Is a breast of fresh ass. Yeah, honestly, I can't agree enough. Uh, After a month of Steven Seagal, this was a breath of fresh ass, a a breast of fresh air. I mean, it was it was good. I I don't know that I would go as far as to say it was well written, but it's just joke after joke after joke, and like nine times out of ten they laugh, and nine times out of ten they land perfectly. And you don't really need a whole lot of plot, which we have some plot when we get to the last, like, 15 minutes. Aside from that, it's just jokes. It's just Saturday Night Live skits, and that's completely fine with me. It's great. See, that's where I was going to go with this. This is the best written SNL skit I've ever seen. If SNL 
was just one of these every week, it would be amazing. But this movie, to me, is a fucking time capsule of everything of that generation. Pepsi, Doritos, just the corporate sellout stuff. Man, it was just fun to see. But I will say, by the end, I did long for some unnecessary explosions and some violence. Like, I would need to watch <laughs> Last Action Hero just to be, like, okay. Well, there you have it. Those are our thoughts on Wayne's World. We hope you found it entertaining, whimsical yet relevant, with an underlying revisionist conceit that's bellied in its emotional attachment to the subject matter. So if you have any strong feelings about the movie or the show, leave it in the comment section below. Make sure to bash that like and subscribe button. Ding that little bell icon too so you don't miss uh, what we got brewing up next. People, you gotta follow us on the social medias. We got the Instagram, the Facebook, the Twitty Twits. We got that Reddits. We've got YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're out there. Find us. Give us a listen. We're kind of funny sometimes. And if I you am. don't... <laughs> Think you're the joke man? Follow us on social media, motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> if you don't follow us on social media, we'll get all partied out and we'll spew into this, which is your face. Do you think they're just gonna fade out into black? I can't believe they did that. And scene. Perfect. <laughs>